Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're here to talk about Stormy Weather, the sixth episode of Discovery's fourth season. And we've just found out, this is the, the Trek news, I suppose, that next week's Discovery is, in fact, going to be a mid-season <coughs> finale. Um, and Discovery's taking a bit of a break, coming back... Did it say February? Yeah, February. And it's not even mid-season, it's sort of two-third season. Yeah, unless this season like, is longer than we thought. You think it's only 10 episodes, I think mm. it's 11 episodes. But if it's 11 episodes, it's only four episodes that we're coming back for. Yeah, it's definitely weird. I mean, we're assuming that what's going to happen is because we knew Prodigy was coming back for five episodes, so we're assuming that Discovery's going to wrap up next week for a, an inverted commas mid-season finale. Then we're going to get five episodes of Prodigy. I've just had a thought about this, when it's going back in mid-February. I wonder if they've changed it, because that's when it's launch, the launch in Paramount Plus. Ah. Roll back. So it won't, it won't be on there in Pluto if they do that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it could well be. I mean, we've not had any definitive... Said, oh, we haven't heard anything definitive, but... They're saying early 22, and mid-February is early 22. It definitely is, yeah. <laughs> um, having said that, there were a cinema near us that were meant to open early 2019, and I think it opened in May, but, you know, they Well, tried. that's probably due to the pandemic and no one going to the cinema. It made no sense. Oh, no, this were pre-pandemic, so we're 2019 uh, before we'd even heard of it. But. No, um, right. Yeah, I think they just got delayed. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, you might be onto something there with. Um... Yeah, I just thought of that when thinking because five episodes of Prodigy, you had no problem running Prodigy alongside it anyway to start. No, I mean it'd be it it'd be quite a good one to launch with because it'll have ten episodes of Prodigy in the bank for you to watch straight away when you sign up, plus the first seven discoveries. Plus the new ones. Plus so. you're signing up for the season finale. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, Especially if they've got people hooked now because they've released it on Pluto. And then then presumably what they'll do straight after that is Picard and that'll keep your subscription. It'll keep you going for more than a month. We so. had a date before for when Picard was due, didn't we? Well, mm. not due in February. Yeah, but I'm being honest, I'm just taking it all with a pinch of salt now because yeah. these... Uh, yeah, at first we thought it, it were meant to be 10 episodes of Prodigy and now it's 20, but the other half's coming later in the year, which to me, that makes it season two. You can call it what you want, yeah. but you're having a massive big break, so... <laughs> yeah, you might as well say it's season two. You might as well. So, yeah, who knows? But anyway, our pledge on Retrek is whatever episode of Star Trek is on that week, we will review it. And when, if it isn't something new, we've got the Dominion Watch. Yeah, <laughs> whether it's Discovery, whether it's Prodigy, whether it's both, whether it's neither, we'll talk about something, so don't worry. Anyway, stormy weather then. 
Um, so yeah, bit of a bit of a bottle episode. Um, all ship bound. The main crew's all back this week. So we were talking about where they'd all gone last week, yeah. but we get everybody apart from well, Reno. The thing is, we also don't know what order everything's actually been filmed in. So no, that's it. I mean. We speculated last week maybe one of the the bubbles had burst and that's why certain actors weren't available and why we just had random people on the bridge. I suppose it'd be quite good for like the people who've got like heavy makeup and stuff. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, put me one of them big heads on and I'll have a mask on under it, so that'll be all right. Um, yeah. Quite safe in my little protective bubble <laughs> there. But you're playing a human, you're like, nope, don't like that. Um, that's why they keep uh, banging Sonic in a Sonic in the uh, space. Yeah, suit. maybe, maybe. Yeah, stick her in a space suit every so often, and yeah, she gets to do um, a bit of a bit of a Jerry Bruckheimer walk in the the space suit. In this one, gets to strut down the corridor with it all blowing up. Discovery gets a pasting again this season. I mean, uh, this episode rather. There's. There's a good line at the end where they say, oh, this programmable matter's great. It, it means we can repair the ship like it bloody needs to with the pounding <laughs> it's taken this season. Anyway, we start off then. So, Michael's, we're carrying on this family tree thing from last week. And Michael's making her own. And I thought it's nice that she's very much doing a sort of extended found family thing rather than yeah. literal blood family like she's got. Yeah, well, literal blood family is only a mum and dad, really. Yeah, that's true. So she's done the adopted. And she she does view the Discovery crew as a family. Yeah, she does. And she so she's got Saru on there and she's got both versions of Giorgio on there, which is nice. And, yeah, that obviously comes back later in the episode, but um, I I wouldn't be surprised if they start selling an app that lets you do that now. Like, do you want your Discovery family tree? Here it is. Upload well, your it's photos. All, uh, it's all good marketing stuff if they do, isn't it? Yeah, upload your photos into this app. You get it free if you subscribe to Paramount+. Plus. Who knows? Now, that'd be a good uh, selling point. It would. You know what else would be a good selling point? Just having it available internationally, that'll... Yeah. I reckon, right, that'll drive sales up, just making it so you can actually get it. That, yeah. That's probably your it's... biggest thing for driving sales. Like, it's really hard to work out why they haven't got it launched worldwide. Yeah, who knows? Why Why these companies are still so slow. Like, Disney was very quick at getting worldwide mm, when they launched quick. Disney Plus. But no one else seems to be. It's like, what is wrong with you? The American market, I know it's a big market, but compared to the international market, it's actually quite small. Yeah. It makes up a very small part of the worldwide well, yeah, true. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I like your theory that it's coming in February. I hope that's true. Um, then there's a bit with Michael and Buck, and I really like this, and it, it's a weird thing to praise a show for, but they deal with a problem that they've had in a grown-up adult way. Like, Buck talks about the business last week with the prisoner, and he wasn't happy about her decision, but he says... Look, it's done with. You're the captain. It was your decision. Let's move on from it. And I'm like, 
that's really good. That's how adults should deal with things, but you don't yeah, always get... Yeah, that's how adults deal with things, yeah. yeah. You don't always get it in TV, though. You know, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not picking on these shows, but I'm just using this as an example. Uh, shows that you get on the CW, like your Arrowverse and your Supernaturals and your stuff like that, you'll have an issue between two characters and it'll just simmer for week after week after week after week and it'll go on and on and on. and Until they turn into a supervillain. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, I'm glad that we've dealt with this now and it's not going to be a thing of, you know, Book's going to get more and more resentful of Michael and because, you know, unlucky Book again, in fact, that's what I'm going to call him from now on, He's got another issue this week. It's this time he's got his ghost of his dad's haunting him and telling him how crappy he is at everything. So he's not having a good run of it, Buck. It started with his no. planet getting blown up and then it's it's just having bother every single week. Um, the DMA story, though, we're back to trying to be a bit more well, proactive with it. Yeah, well, the whole story, the whole thing is the DMA, isn't it? Yeah. This episode. And we do get quite a few clues. Yeah, we do. Like, I don't know what you thought when the first step, like, we get where they've got to enter. So they're looking at things from Voyager, the reference, and Enterprise. Yeah, I like that. Edwin Rifts and all that. And so we can expect this turbulence and... We can't use warp drive and we don't know how it'll affect the mycelial network, so we can't just jump in. So we're going in on an impulse power, which is fine. So they go nice and slow, which annoys because we've established previously impulse power is right up to just before light speed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where I don't call that slow. I know in the Star Trek universe it is, but Maybe it still it's... isn't. <laughs> Maybe it's kind of like that, where like if you've been on a long car ride and you've been on the motorway doing 70 for ages, then you come off it and you're on like a, a smaller road and you're doing 30, it feels like you're standing still. So maybe it's like that when you're a space traveller. You're like, unless it's warp yeah. 8, I feel like I'm crawling. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Well, I don't know what you thought, like, because I know we're still speculating on what the DMA is and everything. But when they first entered the DMA and it suddenly cut off space behind them and they're in blackness, mm -hmm. I immediately thought, where silence has lease. Yeah, yeah. That, like, I, it played out differently, but that was like straight away, wow, this is exactly like that entering that rift. Yeah, I'd, I'd not thought of it, but. But yeah, you're right. Um, and it be, is a Jonathan Frakes directed episode. That's true. So. I'd be very surprised if they made the main villain in a new show a random throwaway villain from a season two episode of TNG. <laughs> but having said that, I, I think it's the aliens from Conspiracy and that's just a random season one TNG episode, so there's no reason. Well, I was thinking it could be the ones from... Um, <laughs> Oh, what do you call it? The TOS one with the Andromedans. Oh, by any other by name. By any other name. Could be, yeah. Well, they were from outside the galaxy, weren't they? Well, they were from the yes. Andromeda galaxy, in fact. <laughs> well, we don't know where the aliens were from in cons 
conspiracy to be fair. No, we don't. We just know they sent out a signal. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it'll probably be something totally new. But they like to do this. They like to have us guessing uh, what species yeah. it could be, so, which is fair enough. Um, yeah, there's a couple of good bits like before we get to the, the anomaly. So um, there's a bit where Michael says thank you to Zora and Saru sort of looks at her and she says, oh, it's just being polite. And see, like, this is something that I do with Alexa. Like, it flashes up like we had a delivery today from Amazon. And when your parcel's out for delivery, it, it lights up and you have to delete the notifications. So I tell it to delete the notifications. Then it says, your notifications have been deleted. And I always say thank you to it. And it's like, what am I yeah. doing? But, I mean, I suppose Michael's got a better case for doing it because Zora actually is alive. But, you know, we do do that. <laughs> like, we say thank you to stuff. It's ridiculous. Um, and the other bit I really liked was when it showed the crew was sort of getting ready and it, it had, like, it cut between all the different scenes. and uh, Yeah, it did the Star Wars yeah, yeah. Again, didn't it? And it's like, yeah, everybody's geared up for it. Everyone's ready to give it a go and everything. Yeah, I noticed it this time straight away, yeah. Star Wars. And they get inside the rift, and this is where I've got a new theory then. So a few weeks ago, you said Flight of the Navigator. Yeah. I'm going for another 80s film because they get there and there's nothing there. So I think it's the never-ending story because that was the nothing. Oh, and the, the nothing. nothing was destroying everything. So I think we're doing an 80s kids films shared universe <laughs> with Discovery <laughs> Season 4. So we've got the nothing from the never-ending story and the flight of the never Oh, maybe. Ah, here we go. This is how we tie it all together then. It's an artificial intelligence. It's the artificial intelligence from War Games, the Matthew Broderick film. Yeah. And that's why it's referencing all this other 80s stuff because that's its that's its frame of reference. So there you go. It's the 80s coming back to, to haunt it. Um, anyway, so they're in the nothing and they send one of the dots and it gets destroyed. And one of the crew says, oh, it's been eaten. It's like, that's a little bit... Do you know what I mean? That's a really emotive word to use, eaten. Yeah. And it it implies um, that whatever's doing it's alive, not just it's destroyed it, like it's literally eaten it. I think that was a bit... Yeah, like, I'm willing to go back. They're totally wrong calling it a DMA at this point. Now. It's a dark matter anomaly. Because... It, I, it is. I don't. It isn't an anomaly. It's. It's. I think it's a weapon of some form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. And it's either crude, or it's sentient. Um, is a sentient machine that's been sent. Yeah, like you say, it's not. It's not an anomaly. It's not a, an accidentally created yeah. thing. But and I think that we're still calling it a DMA is a bit is a big red herring that way. I think it's it's one of them, isn't it, where they've started using that terminology and it's stuck now. It's it's kind of like when they... Um, well, I suppose it'd still work if we called it the Dark Matter Aliens. Yeah, could do. I mean, it, it's kind of like when we use UFOs, like we say UFOs, 
even in some sci-fi, when we know that they're aliens, we still say UFOs, and it's like, well, it's not unidentified now. It's an alien ship, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's Yeah, they'll, they'll no doubt have to change the terminology once they've definitively decided what it actually is. And there's a really good scene of the, the bridge crew, like, sort of throwing ideas around and Michael doing good captaining. Like, she's like, right, what do we do? Okay, let's try a flare. And she's like, that's a great idea. Right, why don't I time it to see how long it... Yeah, excellent. And I just really liked, we don't get that in Discovery enough, seeing yeah, different that, people contributing. There's a reason why these people are bridge crew, so actually use them as bridge crew. Yeah. It's great having um, different people contributing <coughs> different things that they're good at and working well together as a crew. And Michael, instead of, you know, obviously, you know, we're not going to rehash old ground here, but a lot of criticism levelled at Michael was, oh, she's always the one who solves everything. Whereas in this, she isn't. She's the captain. She mediates it. She's the captain and she's using yeah. all the people she, around her. Exactly. She takes the ideas, she combines them, she works out the best way of doing it, which is brilliant. I do think making her the captain, even though we had issues with the way she got there in season three, it's done <laughs> wonders for the character of Michael. Like, she's yeah, so has, much better yeah. in this role. Well... I think the whole premise of writing the show that it, it focuses on your like your second officer or your first officer and they're going to be the main character doing everything is just suddenly trying to make them like have, you have to have them have all the ideas themselves because they don't yeah. have the crew to play off them yeah the you're right does. It, it was like they were even though she didn't hold the rank of captain, in terms of her role within the story, she was the captain, yeah. effectively. She was fulfilling that role, but... Yeah, she was going on the missions but, that we've always seen Kurt go on. Yeah, and it, it just it didn't quite gel the way they, they wanted yeah, this, it to. You're right, this works so much better with her. It does, it's great. Captain. She's turning into a really good captain, which is excellent. Um, anyway, all of this leads to the workout that whatever it is, the nothing, it's getting closer. And I wonder if it's that wolf off the never-ending story, because he were, or he worked for the nothing or something like that. Anyway, well, they should have had the bit with the like dog. This, is, it? this isn't actually the anomaly itself, is it? This is like... The part of space that it's ripped a hole in. Yeah, you're right, you're right. So, yeah, that So, been... I wonder if it's something to do with, um, oh, what was the episode from TNG where they had the subspace aliens that were abducting them? Oh, power play? Was it power play? Yeah, I wonder if it's something to do if, like, in the rift part of it closing is something to do with that. Yeah, that it could be. space I mean, is it, re-establishing itself. It seems to be, like, what whenever it's wherever it's going, it's damaging subspace, which we kinda touched on that in TNG where they had that where they were they were trying to do that storyline where it was meant to all be about it was sort of meant to be a metaphor for using fossil fuels and it was like, oh um warp drive is actually harming the galaxy and that's why they had warp speed limits and Yeah, so which was sort was, of a it was not a great it created episode. problems. 
Yeah, it was... It, crea- it created... It, you could see where they were coming from, what, what they were using it as a metaphor for. But it created problems in future episodes. Yeah, it was... That you had it every episode... We've got permission to exceed the warp speed limit. We've got permission to exceed the warp speed limit. And as soon as Next Generation ended, it was assumed that ships had been fitted, not to... Yeah, that was it. It was just, yeah, let's ignore it. It was one of them where, yeah, you got what they were trying to do with the story, but it it fundamentally changed something too big for, for storytelling yeah. in the Star Trek universe. But anyway... I wonder if it's something a bit like that, like whatever type of transport the DMA uses, yeah, well, it damages everything. Yeah, and this is like the subspace, because subspace filling its the gap again, which this river yeah. has left. So, yeah. Like, you say, like we, I, I've got a feeling like, I know that the, the detect residual uh, matter from the DMA. But yeah. this isn't the DMA that's doing this to them. And I think that's another red herring that we've got that don't look at this as being part of the DMA. No, this is, this is an after effect of it. Yeah. Um, so, th- again, really good episode for the crew is this because you get Buck goes down to help Stamets and it shows that they have bonded a bit more than where they were earlier on. Like... Stamets actually thanks him and, you know, he says, yeah. oh, thank you for helping well, me. And yeah, like, there's, the, the need, they're going to try use the spar drive, but Stamets needs to be doing something else, so can't, can't do it. So, book there, uh, I'll go run the spell. I'll do the spar drive so Stamets can carry on doing this. Yeah, and Stamets actually sort of swallows his pride a bit and says, oh, I can, I can delegate this, that's okay, I can actually do it yeah. which is you know quite a big step for him in some respects especially since he's got that obsessive thing about i'm gonna solve it and i'm gonna do it all myself so yeah it's good that i just like how this episode's showing the crew working really well together working together working as a crew exactly yeah <laughs> and then we get i suppose the two most outlying characters in the crew we we get these scenes between Zora and Grey, who are... It draws the parallels in this episode. They're both effectively conscious, consciousnesses... Consciousnesses? Um, in new bodies. Of, you know, yeah. Well, Grey in an android body and Zora in the ship. And so there's this kind of connection between them and they have these chats about how they experience reality and it's it's really interesting stuff that Grey starts asking like well what's it like being the ship <laughs> you know how does that work and what do you yeah. what do you feel and how do you deal with all the different things going off and everything and he suggests they play this game which looks like a another spin on it's not the 3D chess but it looks like a it looks like a spin on chess. A spin on chess. This is totally off subject, but have you seen? You know they did um, that uh, the Queen's Gambit that mini series. Yeah. On Netflix, and it was really big. Um, they've released a tie-in board game to it that says the Queen's Gambit, the board game, and it's like, what you mean chess? The chess set. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a game <laughs> of chess. Like, all right, whatever. 
Anyway, crazy. And lots of people will buy it. Yeah, they will. They go, oh, you can get that game off the Queen's Gambit. It's brilliant. There's just people who probably never played chess who will discover chess through that. Oh, yeah, which apparently... They've enjoyed the series. They won't have a clue about chess, but they might start playing. Oh, yeah, apparently sa- sales of chess went through the roof, apparently, after, yeah. um, after the Queen's Gambit. I enjoy Gambit. playing tre- chess. I haven't played for a while. No, neither have I, but I quite enjoy playing chess. Yeah, the the... the the thing that bugs me about chess is when you get people who are really experts on it and, like, you'll start off a game and you'll move your first pawn and people are just like, ah, the Stamian Gambit checkmates in five moves. You're like, what's the point? Bloody playing then. Come on. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, there's literally no point if you just got to do that. <laughs> anyway, that's chess. Uh, but yeah, so this is a new chess game. Uh, maybe they'll Star Trek Discovery the game. Maybe we'll get Grey and Zora, Zora's game will be available at some point. Eagle Moss are doing a 3D chess um, collection at the minute. So maybe when they I finish that... I think you've been that, able to buy 3D chess boards for a long time. Uh, yes, you have. But what you've not been able to buy is a fortnightly collection that gives you a different piece every two weeks until... <laughs> until you've collected enough p- figures to have a full game. Like, to be fair to 3D chess, I don't think there's actually 32 pieces. It, it's always looked like there's a lot less pieces than a normal chessboard. Well, that's why with the Eagle Moss collection, you get three different sets so that it can be 90 issues <laughs> or however many. Uh, not that we're knocking it, you know, it's fine. If you want to collect your 3D chess set, that's or if Eagle Moss want to send us some freebies, we'll we'll gladly review we'll review them. We'll gla- on yeah, we'll review them. Um We do have a model channel running we as do, well. That we yeah. can review things on. There you go. We'll review your 3D chess, Eagle Moss, if you want to send us any of them. But um for now we want Zora and Grey's mindfulness game or whatever it's called. Um yeah. Another thing, great development with Michael. She bought the mission straight away, and it's like, yeah, that's what the president was saying to her early in the season. You've got to recognise when it's more important to conserve your ship, conserve your crew, yeah. and instead of going hell for leather on it, she's like, nope, I bought the mission. I mean, it don't work out, but it's... No, but she makes, she makes the correct call. She does. This situation, right... No, this is going badly wrong. Yeah. This is closing in. We don't know what it is. Abort the mission. Let's get out of here. Exactly. So there we go. Character development that makes sense. We've seen how she's got here, where she started off and how she got there. So excellent. Again, you shouldn't have to praise this stuff in TV shows, but it's just good that we're... Well, it's good character development because we've seen how rash she can be for three seasons. And we've now seen the president is almost acting like a mentor to her and teaching her how to be a captain. Yeah, and seems to be doing a really good job. I mean, I think yeah. I think the reason I picked up on this is because, again, going back to season three, even though I enjoyed season three, Michael just fluctuated so much. It was the first few episodes, it seemed to be establishing her as a really good first officer. Then she dipped and became an absolutely crap first officer. Yeah. And then at the end of the season, it just bounced her back to being the captain and you had whiplash. It went that quickly. Yeah, whereas it was sort of like, hold on, she's been demoted. For... Yeah. 
Where being is... subordinate. So if she's not right to be a first officer, why is she suddenly captain? It, it was it was handled badly by yeah. the script writers. Whereas this, or it season, was rushed. Yeah, whatever they were trying to do didn't didn't gel properly. No, the arc was just odd. Um, but but yeah, but this season it seems like they've started off from a point and gone. We want to get Michael to this point where she's a much better captain. And they've put the steps in place to get us there and yeah. it's paying off now when yeah. we see things it's like this. It's working. And it, it's making it a much more... It's making it a much better show. Yeah, it's it certainly feels... I would say the probably the most consistent season of Discovery so far. Like, Yeah. It feels like it's fairly tightly plotted. It feels like we know where we're going and we're moving. I mean, we might not be seeing this in a couple of weeks, but it all depends on what... What you mean, after the mid-season break and we mentioned forgotten all this and and they turn the right angle on us. It all depends what the DNA turns out to be, really, doesn't it? But um, Yeah, it all hinges on that. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Anyway... So Book gets zapped and we find out that this means basically they can't jump out of there, they can't go back to the way they came because they can't see anything and the sensors aren't working. So Michael made the right call, but it's just what she wants to do ain't going to happen very easily. And Book's latest trauma then this week is visions of his dad. It's his dad's birthday and his dad's just turning up really to... Give him a bit of grief, like, well, you should be out there hunting it. What are you doing? Yeah, why are you letting her tell you what to do? And I don't know whether this is a thing about hallucinations, but when i just come out of my coma, I had hallucinations that my dad were telling me off about stuff. He was saying that um, the reason I were in coma were because I'd been out on piss too much and stuff. And it, of course, this conversation never took place, but... Maybe this is just a thing that when you, when you hallucinate, you an authority figure in your life gives you a bit um, of a bollocking. You were very out of it on drugs. Oh, yeah. Because we were meant to go to sci-fi, sci-fi weekend in Sheffield a month after, a month later. In fact, not even that, I don't know. No, think. it wasn't. I, and I t- and you, like, when you first started waking up, I had one of the nurses looking at me in shock and horror because I went to your well, you're already in your cosplay because we'll just wheel you along. You're the $6 million man just after you crash. Yeah. And you were giving it all big big thumbs up. Yeah. I'd have been up for that. As I say, I mean... Yeah, poor nurse didn't get my sense of humour. She was just shocked. I didn't suggest that. Yeah, you see, I had loads of cosplay opportunities there. I think if they did... If they'd have got me an electric wheelchair, I'd have done Captain Pike, and <laughs> I could have managed it, but they don't... I mean, you know, we have nothing but good things to say about the NHS in the UK. They were but, absolutely amazing. But they do not let you out on day release to go to a sci-fi convention when you've just recovered from a, a catastrophic... Um, multiple organ multiple failure. Multiple organ failure, you know what I mean? you think they'd give you the afternoon, but anyway... <laughs> So, yeah, Buck's dad's giving him a bit of grief. And, um, oh, we get a bit more with Zora then. So, you get... And I do think we're going to do more with Zora um, in the coming episodes. But you get this conversation... I I think that they're also building this up to cover the short trek. 
Yes, yeah, oh yeah, I think we're going towards that. I actually wondered if this episode was going to be what ties into Calypso. Well, um, I, think, <laughs> I think there's a bit of this episode that does. Right, well, we'll have a look as we get there. But but we, it's right at the end of the episode. Yeah, well, mine, what I thought was a little bit early, but we'll we'll cover it when we get there. So, yeah, Zora and Grey both talk about how they chose their own name, which, again, sort of deepening the bond between them. And I so, don't get how Grey chose his own name. He must have just... He, he probably wasn't born as Grey and just decided... Like, that, is this a trill thing, that the name themselves? Because it's a new one on me for the trill. Maybe it's just... You know, some people do change the names, don't they? So maybe, I don't know. But yeah, it's not... Oh, did he mean that he's no longer... Is it Dal? Grey Tal, yes. Maybe he's no longer Grey Dal and he's chosen to be called Grey. Just Grey, yeah, maybe. But yeah, maybe that's I, what he means. I don't think it's a, a standard thing with trills. No, certainly yeah. not that we know of anyway. And... Yeah, so we get this thing of Zora says, well, I've detected that there's something on the outside of the hull. Um, but I don't know what it is. And I'm a bit confused because I've got all the emotions going on. And Grace says, well, you've got to tell the captain. And this, this kind of calls into question whether this is a good idea, having Zora with this level of intelligence. Because if Zora basically can choose what should and shouldn't be fed back to the captain. That's not the ship's computer's job, you know. No, it isn't. But <coughs> I think, like, I think that she realises that she should have told the captain straight away. I think she does. And, and it's all part of her learning about being sentient and yeah. how she is now. And it's all part of that learning curve. And I suppose what we're getting is the difference between, like, presumably whoever's working on the sensors would be able to see like, this thing. But this like is, like, an we, extra level where Zora can go, oh, Captain, I've detected this. What we're getting is uh, filling in the gaps between generations and first contact where Data learned how to control his emotion chip. True, actually. Yeah, you're right. That's pretty much where this story's going. But yeah, we, we're get we're getting all that filled in because generations, he's malfunctioned with his emotion trip and he couldn't control his emotions, and he was still in that stage at the end of generations. And we came to first contact. In fact, in generations, it had um, it. Sort of overheated and yeah, uh, welded himself into and... his positronic matrix, and by first contact, he's got he's perfectly in control of it. He can turn it on and off, <laughs> and then in insurrection, he doesn't take it with him. So they obviously found yeah. a way of anyway. Um, but yeah, I, what what bothers me is would Michael would the crew have been aware of this if Zora hadn't decided to tell them so? Would this have still been showing up on the internal sensors? But the difference is just that Zora's decided to go to the captain and say we've got a problem, rather than just letting them discover it for themselves. Or is Zora deciding not to tell them, meaning that 
they're literally not getting Meaning access to all the information. She doesn't yeah. show it as the sensors. Because that's quite scary if the the ship's computer just don't feel like telling you the sensor yeah. readings, you know, that... Now, I get the feeling that Zara's, Zara's um, felt this something touching her outside hull and it hasn't flashed up on any sensor. Maybe, yeah. That, and that's why sort of like the, there was a, a, bre- a, sh- a breach in the hull before they realised anything was happening. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. So so Zora's more aware than a normal ship's computer would be. Yeah. So that could be useful. Yeah, okay. That's less sinister, so I'm happy with that. It's, it's a, I'm <coughs> confused. Um, I think that she's maybe picked, like, I'm assuming, like, the ship will be hit by micro meteors all the time. Hmm. But they won't flash up on the sensors, otherwise the sensors will be going like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I imagine Zara, Zara can actually feel that. Yeah. I, I think what we're going to have to do this season is we need the measure of a man episode for Zara. I think we... It's come far enough now with this different stuff with Zara that I think... We need an episode that outlines exactly, maybe not exactly, because we still want to be able to explore it later, but I think we need to get into what is Zora, how does it work, are we treating her as a, a sentient being, and I, I, I feel like that epi- that kind of episode's coming, uh, whether that'll be next week or it'll be after the the mid-season break, I don't know, but I feel I, I feel like last couple of episodes we've done a lot with Zara and we're building up to something here. Um, Excuse me. So they think basically if Zora focuses, they can find a way out, but Zora's not confident about it. And so this is kind of the, the thing now when Zora's afraid of it, but... Well, yeah, but like we have, like... Up goes to sick bay. Yeah. And they find out that he's got that he's a bit of residual radiation that's causing him this problem that'll wear off in a couple of hours. But this is how they find out that the particles that it is, the radiation, is from the galactic barrier. Which is worrying because we know what happens when you go through the galactic barrier from where no man has gone before. So Yeah. So, in fact, this is, as Lower Decks told her, this is strange energy that Buck's yeah. got in his brain. He's got strange energies. Yeah, and you've got to be now, really, really mi- careful with really that. They missed it, didn't they, in Sick Bay, where they should have said you're suffering from strange energies and linked it in. Yeah, they should have done. And you know, so maybe we're going to end up with a giant head floating around. <laughs> that could be cool, though, if it if it's... You know, they're saying, well, it comes from outside the galaxy. What if it what if it doesn't? What if what if whatever it is is whatever that thing is in the Great Barrier that made Gary Mitchell into the god thing? Yeah. So this could be just that thing. It's not from outside the galaxy, it's from all around the galaxy. Yeah, because no one because like the galactic barrier is a strange one. Because, yes. like, I like as soon as I said that, I thought of 
In, um, oh, what's the episode? I keep forgetting its name. By any other name? By any other name. When the Andorians had come through, you get the impression that they didn't have a galactic barrier on the Andromeda galaxy. Mm. But there is on our galaxy, so why has our galaxy got this? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, I think in um, Greg Cox's brilliant Q trilogy of books, there is an explanation given, but it's a very much non-canonical reason. I mean, it's a great, they're great books and it's a great read. The other thing, I think, is that this shows... When, when No Man Has Come Out, Gone Before came out, basically the galactic barrier, we saw it literally as the Enterprise flying towards a big pink wall. Yeah. And that, whereas if this thing encircles the galaxy completely, it would basically have to be a massive sphere. You know, it's the, space is 3D. It's not... You don't get to the... <laughs> Because you could just fly up and fly around it, you know, or you could go straight down. Well, we're a saucer-shaped galaxy, aren't we? So yeah, so it'd have to be, but it would have to, it would have to encompass have to, the whole galaxy. So yeah, it, it's one of them where we could sort of get away with that in the sixties, but now we've got a better <laughs> understanding of what the galaxy looks like. It's not, but. Good on them for referencing it because it's one of them things, a bit like we were talking about the warp speed limit. We could have quietly brushed it under the carpet and gone, yeah, yeah, we don't talk about the galactic barrier anymore because it, the idea doesn't hold up to modern scientific eyes. Yeah. But instead uh, why, we've gone... Why when you get close to it is it this big pink wall Yeah, that you can't see through, but... From a distance, you can see out to other galaxies and all that. Yeah, exactly. And why space in our galaxy should be pink if that thing's encircling the whole... Anyway, so, yeah, but good on them for going, it's part of Star Trek canon, we've got a great galactic barrier, we've got to... Yeah. Um, So, yeah, the books, Dad's giving him more shit again, and we find out... I wonder if they do... I don't think it's necessarily a thing that they're doing with this episode, but it's weird that you've got this thing with Zora and Grey talking about how they choose their names, and we find out that Book chose his name as well. Like, his dad says you don't even use your name anymore. So I I don't know whether that's just coincidence that these things have cropped up in this episode. We said... I don't feel like it's highlighted enough for it to be a theme of the episode. To be important. But I wonder if maybe it's something we're going to touch on again like further Zora down the line. Like, Zora choosing makes sense. Great makes no sense. How's Great chosen his own name? Yeah. Book? It, I don't know. We, we don't know enough about Book to know, really. No. Like, I suppose it kind of ties into this thing of Michael building a family tree and that's all about found found families, choosing your own family. Yeah. This is all about choosing your own name, which I suppose kind of ties into the, the overarching theme of, you know, finding your own identity and everything, but it's... It's not a strong enough through line in the episode for you to go, oh, I see what they're doing there. It's just... It's just little dribs and drabs of it at the moment. Anyway, then, so they're going to use sonar, basically, 
to get them out of it, which Bryce comes up with. So again, we're using different crew members, coming up with different ideas. And <clears throat> as a result of this, the way to get out is we're going to have to put the whole crew in the pattern buffers. And they say, oh, yep, yeah, there are historical precedents for doing that, which has got to be a reference to Scotty yeah, in relics. relics. Now, I wondered at this point... They also do it in Voyager, don't they, with that one where they come across the, that race that are against telepaths. Oh, yes, they do, yeah. And yeah. they're rescuing some telepaths, getting them across their space. Yeah. So, yeah, there is precedent. Um, I wondered at this point, is this going to be where we get into Calypso? Is it going to be, well, it'll take us 900 years to get out? So, right. you know, I, but it, it didn't quite work, but that sort of flashed through my mind. I was like, oh, how are they going to, could this be where they do it? And will that work? And could it be that the crew, there's there's no crew there because they're all in the pattern buffer, not. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I mean, that isn't what it is, but that did flash through my mind at that point. I wonder if they're going to do that to tease you every so often. They're going to have us going, oh, is this going to be where Calypso comes in? Yeah. And popped, just, yeah, I, I didn't think of that when we were losing all the crew, actually. But. It just popped through my mind. I'm like, right, so there's going to be no crew and it's going to be Zora on her own. And I just thought, ah. But anyway, that's not what we do. So, And then we do get a little bit of backstory. Just before Buck goes in, he sees his dad again. And... He, the reason they've fallen out seems to be because Buck's dad was a hunter, but he was forced to hunt by the Emerald Chain. And he's basically saying, oh, Michael will always choose Starfleet over you. We find out that the ship Buck's got was actually his dad's ship. But Buck, again, rises above it all and says, oh, happy birthday, Dad. And then he goes and tells Michael he loves her, so... Books, yeah. books, hallucination, dad mixing it doesn't seem to have had too much of an effect on him at this stage, which is nice. And this is where Michael does a Jerry Bruckheimer 90s action Yeah, and the captain always stays with a ship. <laughs> struts up the corridor. And, yeah, we, we get the stuff where the, she's talking to Zora and talking about how pain can make you stronger. And so there's this bond developing between them. And is this where you were thinking Calypso comes in, where Zora sings her a song? Um, a little bit of it, I thought that was a bit of a clue into it. But I thought it was once the ship's been repaired, because we've speculated how does it look like season one and two discovery. Oh, yeah. When it's had all this other stuff done to it. Mm, maybe. Yeah, and we'll have I to see. I think that's sort of like the programmable matter that that's how Zara can Zara can go back in time for whatever reason. Yeah, and she can make the ship and, look. Yeah, and I like. I wonder if like whatever they have to do to beat the DNA, if the workout bites beat like I wonder if it's something that the Andromedans have done mm. in TOS era set in motion. That's sort of grown by the time of discovery. Uh, it now. could be. So they have to go back to destroy it then. And then leave the ship 
catch up. And then, yeah. yeah. Well, the just the ship goes back and does the mission on its own. Yeah, it could be. And then after the mission, you have to head to this nebula that we know no one's been in for this time because of records <laughs> mm. and plot armour. Yeah. And we'll find you in 900 years. So yeah. you have, like, the crew sends her back and then goes into the nebula and there's the ship. Yeah, it could and well it also be. happens during that time. I mean, that would all make sense and everything. The only thing with that is, like, I just feel like we're doing too much time travel. Like, Discovery Season 2 was all about time travel. Obviously, we had the big time jump between... <laughs> Season two of Picard looks like it's all going to be time travel. But, you know, but at the end of the day, we probably are going to have to do time travel well, to explain Calypso. Well, get Calypso into it, at some point you have to do time travel. Unless it's set in the far, far future and, it, you know, it's another 900-year jump. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. I, I just think for some, for some reason... The Discovery will have to go back in time without the crew. Yeah, that to do something, sense. and then it'll just wait in this nebula for them all to come back. And in nine hundred years, it'll power down. Yeah, kind of like how in Back to the Future Three, Doc leaves the DeLorean in the mine. Yeah, so, for a hundred years. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, so yeah, that's that's the end of that one then. So another, I think another really solid episode. We seem to be building towards something with the DMA now. We know now that we've got a mid-season finale next week. So whether the question now is, was it always intended as a mid-season finale? In which case, it's probably going to be quite a big episode. Or have they just decided to split the season in two, in which case it might just be a regular episode and we shouldn't well, get too excited? If it's just a normal episode, it's not planned in advance. And it's something they've decided on sort of last week that they're doing, which would make which would then make my theory of this is when it's gonna come back for Paramount Plus launching worldwide. Okay, yeah. If it's a big episode, then you've got to speculate, well, they have planned it. Yeah. Well, we'll find out next week anyway. So in the meantime, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. You can email us, retrekpod at gmail.com, or come and join us on the Facebook group. Just search for Retrek. And thanks for trekking with us this time. We will see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.